Hello film lovers and welcome to the place where anything can happen. Yes, hold on to your hats. It's time for the Films I Love Most podcast live. takes so bloody long to boil and I need a coffee coffee because so, uh, I need some you know delicious beverage to settle into in this discussion due to a Instagram message you sent me about 15 <laughs> minutes ago saying I have a theory <laughs> I have a theory <laughs> so yeah, I'm guessing kids do you know what? I've had a criticism on here that whenever I do like lives on anybody I'm always eating nuts and it's, <laughs> it's not just what he's doing live, guys. I know. Get a life. <laughs> <laughs> Have you got some nuts? Yeah, pistachios. Oh, I love a pistachio. I know that. I'm looking forward to it. I haven't got COVID. I've just got a very uh, dry larynx because of all the talking. Okay. Oh, right, yeah. <clears throat> Have you found that? Talking to people. <coughs> well, I've just got a cough, and I so we can be. Oh yeah. We can be COVID patients okay, together. Oh, it's not. It's like one of those dry things. I get it quite often, actually. When I talk too much, which is quite regular. Oh, that's been the kettle is with my wife. All of my like mugs now got a written on them because my tree. What coffee do you drink? Huh? What coffee do you drink? Oh, I'm not. I'm not one of those. I'm not. Not a connoisseur. Oh, yes, they must have them. It's from the machine, and it must have been ground up by Italian virgins. <laughs> no, sorry, don't care. I like it instant. I like, do you know what, Catherine? I like coffee like I like my men. <laughs> Decaffeinated. <laughs> do, you drink, do you drink decaf? No. Oh, no, right. I was just, um, I was just trying to get a cheap laugh. Sorry. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> kind of, kind of backfired. Oh. Oh, I just uh, went to get all the information up on my iPad and it's still got me uh, my gym class. <laughs> got greeted by a woman doing the splits. Oh, right. I didn't know that was uh, what floated your boat. But... <coughs> well, I spoke to the, this woman about being able to do the splits. I said, I really want to be able to do the splits. And she said, well, are you flexible? And I said, I am, but I can't do Tuesdays. <laughs> <laughs> brilliant you're just like shut the fuck up Keith we've got things to talk about <laughs> okay so 
discussing the movie. The movie. The movie. Uh, hush. Discussing the movie Hush. I feel like uh, um, I should probably do this whole chat in ASMR. Yes, because this is a film that definitely is. It's very quiet. It's very quiet. And uh, they eat a lot of cabbage. actually become my mate my my favorite word of all time cabbage <laughs> to be fair it is a good word yes it's a brilliant word i can't believe that we were like up at two in the morning just going cabbage i was listening back to that chat and it was i was still just absolutely crying with laughter <laughs> i think Incorporated with the fact that um, we were knackered as well, I think that yeah. really added to the layer of like, um, <laughs> insaneness. And, and I think sometimes though, that's the best kind of like humour. You always find yeah. it in the early hours of the morning when you just want to go over to bed and like you've had a few glasses of, of whatever it is you're drinking. Things, everything just becomes funny. Yeah, because didn't you say like didn't you have like a headache beforehand? Yeah, I had a really bad migraine. <laughs> yeah, beforehand, and then we were speaking about three and a half hours. <laughs> it was a perfect conversation for someone who had a headache, though, wasn't it? Yeah, it well, apparently so laughter laughter is very good for a headache. Is it? Yeah. Oh, oh, for goodness' sake! I just popped a pistachio in without even thinking, and then I now have to talk. Um. So, I'm going to do some housekeeping first. Is that all right? Yeah. <coughs> Dry larynx. So, I'm just going to talk about the, um, like, the, uh, you know, the technicalities of the film, who directed it, uh, who's in it, when it came out, and just a very brief synopsis. How does that sound? Okay. Yeah. And whilst you do that, the postman's just been, so let me... Go and see what he's okay. delivered. Yay! Right, Hush Probably a bill. is a film from 2016. It's directed by Mike Flanagan, who um, is very interesting. Um, Mike Flanagan, who directed this, has now become sort of this um, unofficial Stephen King sort of Hello? Hello? What are you? What's all that banging? <laughs> what do you mean banging? You went to the postman's just been and I heard boom, 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 boom. Oh, it's because my stairs are wooden. I see. I thought maybe you were, um, Maybe the postman and you were a little bit more intimate than the average post office relationship. <laughs> no. 
Um, anyway, let's not talk about sex. Everything comes back to sex with you, Catherine. <laughs> well, what can I say? So Mike Flanagan, who wrote, wrote this film and directed it, has become, I was saying, a sort of unofficial, like, benefactor of Stephen King now. So he wrote, he wrote and directed uh, Gerald's Game, which is a film on Netflix. Have you seen that one? I haven't seen it. It's on the list. <laughs> it's on the list. That is, um, yeah, that's basically about uh, BDSM that goes very, very wrong. Yeah. Uh, Doctor Doctor Sleep, the sequel to The Shining, he wrote and directed. He also wrote and directed the two Netflix series, The Haunting of Hill House and The Haunting of Bly Manor, which um, I've seen The Haunting of Hill House, but I haven't seen Bly Manor yet. It's on the list. On the list. So let's give a little brief synopsis of... Uh, my, no- my nose just touched the screen. I thought I'd ended the chat. <laughs> <laughs> so, a deaf and mute writer who retreated into the woods to live a solitary life must fight for her life in silence when a masked killer appears at her window. Oh, that good? Did that set the scene? Yeah. Yes, it does. Right. So first questions first. Obviously, yes. this is, I think, something that I've never seen in horror before. Someone having to fight for their life, missing one of their most vital senses. What yeah. did you think of the initial concept? I actually quite enjoyed it. I think... <clears throat> It's quite interesting to kind of see how, you know, someone who is, hasn't got all of their senses kind of has to work that little bit harder and it is a little bit more difficult. So I think it added quite a nice element to the film. Yeah. Do you think that um, it obviously makes the scenario much more frightening yeah. to have a protagonist who can't um, hear her attacker because in horror films it's quite a common trait isn't it you know someone's in a house they hear like a rustle in the bushes outside or they hear a plant pot breaking or a cat squeaking and um they go out to investigate but there's none of that in this film because she can't hear anything yeah no she's uh i was kind of thinking like when she was trying to escape and things like that um but how does she know she's not standing on a twig or making any noise yeah there's so much about your generic horror sort of formula that this film plays with because, you know, a lot of people like horror films and I am not one of these people, just to say. No, I but don't A lot like of people horror like films. horror films. But I, know, I love horror films, but a lot of people don't like them because of um, the predictability. Yeah. So they know... They know, you know, it's pretty much a very set formula. Like, you know, like kids go to camping near a lake and there's a guy there and he kills them all. And there's one girl left at the end and she kills him. That's pretty much like yeah. a it's lot. It's very predictable, isn't it? It's, you know, what's coming. Yeah, but I think horror these days is really starting to mess with the genre a little bit more. And I really like that. And Hush, yeah. I think, was one of those first films to do that. 
you know, I think another film that came out around the same time that sort of changed horror was uh, The Purge, which yeah. um, took a concept of, you know, people trying to escape from a killer, but there wasn't just one killer, literally an entire nation was like, were turned into killers for one night only, which I think is a really clever idea. Yeah. But back to Hush. Yeah. Um, I'm just looking at the the lady. Um, so the lady who plays the main girl in it isn't isn't actually death. No, she's his husband, the um, director's husband, and she's from Mike Flanagan's um, wife. Well, that would make sense. And I've just looked at her, her, um, her film history and she's pretty much in every film he's done. Yeah, apparently she she only works with him. Which fair play to her like obviously trust what your husband's yeah. doing. Yeah, that's it. They obviously just want to spend time together. Yeah. Cause I can imagine it's quite a demanding job making a film, so to kind of avoid those many months apart from each other, it's quite a good solution to the problem. Yeah. Especially if um you know, I've got kids, maybe. Yeah. You know, Although I want good for childcare to have the kids on set, isn't it? Really. Yeah. Well, can you imagine being on a, on the set for looking hush? Uh, no. Yeah, <laughs> you've got to be quiet. <laughs> Take. There's a screaming but... child. <laughs> yeah. I'm so sorry about this dry fit and dryness. I'm not quite sure. Definitely not COVID. It's all I've right. Te- I did a temperature check. I mean, right. minus me, cold as ice. Um, <laughs> but, okay, so let's start off with the opening of the film. Okay, so this is pretty much uh, a bog standard uh, home invasion mm-hmm. with a twist. With a twist. So, how did you think the film's setup really set the tone for the rest of the movie? It's just very isolated, isn't it? I, I mean, I'm, you'll be quite proud of it because I don't really look into like this. Um, is it cinematography? Is that the word? Like how angles and how things it looks. Are used. Yeah, yeah, yeah. One thing that I did notice in the in the opening um, scene was the way the camera kind of pulls down through the trees. Um, it kind of made you feel like you were maybe like plunging into the depths of hell a little bit and you kind of Ooh, knew nice. it wasn't going to be wasn't going to be a good film it kind of made me feel a bit mm. like oh. it's amazing isn't it how a camera angle can just set the whole tone and balance of a movie 100% you know it's like the um it's like the I'm going to throw in other movie references here because I think it's quite fun but um it's like the opening of the shining you know, with the camera panning, following the car through the mountains, with the dun, 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 music over the top. It's so ominous and like, ah, oh, shit. From the very first moment, you know that this film is not going to be, you know, a happy ride. And I love yeah. that. And it, all it took was one camera movement of like the camera following the, co- following the car up the mountains from a bird's eye view. Love that. Okay. Love Sorry. I'm just <laughs> going to throw in loads of little geeky movie um Movie trivia, if that's okay. No, no, that's fine. I mean, that's your speciality. Indeed. So we have the uh, the panning, the delving into the depths of hell 
in the opening yeah. sequence, and they were introduced to the main character. How did you think it would? Because um, I, I found how they introduced the fact that she's deaf quite interesting. How did yeah. you find that? I, I liked the way that they did it. Like it, at first, it was quite normal, and then obviously, it kind of went out to that like ringing in your ears. Because I know Bex told me to watch it with my he- with headphones in, and now I kind of understand why she told me to do that. I mean, I didn't do that, but I feel like if you watched mm. it with headphones in, it would really kind of give that almost like placing you in, in Maddie's shoes uh, and kind of getting yeah. you to see the world from her her point of view, which I think is quite interesting. It really engages you as a viewer. No, I agree. I think. Um thing I did love about it was that we were not seeing thing through not seeing things through the eyes of Maddie yeah. we were hearing things through her ears and yeah. I found that was really good because they could have easily have just done it as we were hearing everything that was going on but she wasn't yeah, yeah. and I think that that would have made it just generic it would have just been like oh well, why is she deaf you know what what why don't they play with the concept slightly more um but I loved the fact that we were hearing from her perspective for quite a lot of the time yeah um now the setup is what's that noise what noise it sounds like you've... it sounds like you've got a little gerbil in your pocket it might be my stomach <laughs> <laughs> Because yeah, I've got my I've got my phone like rested like on my stomach. <laughs> Do you remember years and years and years ago there was a rumor that um, Richard Gere used to put hamsters up his ass? No. Okay. Uh, moving <laughs> on. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah. Um, now, I, I'm going to keep going back to the fact that if this film didn't have this fantastical element well not fantastical she's deaf it's not fantastical it's not out of no. you know it's not a scenario which would be unrealistic i, I apologize for the fantastical comment um but how would you feel that um obviously if this wasn't a normal film that didn't have that element a lot of the traits in the film would quite be predictable yeah you know, I, I, don't, I think i think if they hadn't have kind of done that that you know ringing in the air kind of thing as quickly as they did I probably would have turned the film off probably would have been like not watching this really yeah because when That's... you when you look at the film it is a generic horror film but I think <laughs> the the little elements that he's kind of added into it and the way that he's kind of pieced it all together um and mm-hmm. made it like engaging for the viewer that's why I kept on watching it but I think if someone had just yeah. like sat down and said, "This is what's happened in this film," would you watch it? I'd probably be like, "Nah, nah, nah." That's it. I I think that um, the horror genre is one of the most neglected genres in in film history because mm-hmm. I think a lot of people just go, "I don't watch horror movies because I don't like being scared." But nine yeah. times out of ten, it's not about being scared. A lot of horror movies really do delve into the human psyche. And really do discuss issues that no other films really can. Like, yeah. um, you know, I don't know if you've seen uh, Midsummer. It came no. out last year. Well, that film deals with um, like post-traumatic stress and grief. You know, the character in it at the beginning, sister, um, kills herself and her family. 
and like the rest of her family in one of the most distressing ways I think I've ever seen on film. And mm. then the rest of the film is basically the main character living a nightmare. But I was what I watched that film thinking, is she actually living this nightmare? Or is this literally her in her head going through the processes of grief and post-traumatic stress? So I think that horror can tell really um, significant, like, modern issue stories through the genre. But I just don't think that people give it enough kudos to actually sit down and, you know, really think about it like that. Which yeah, I, th- I think it's, it's quite nice as well because they can do it in such a realistic way. Like, you know, if you sat down and started watching a rom-com and then all of a sudden there's blood and guts flying around it's not going to do it as well as a horror would no yeah absolutely but then again there are rom-coms that have been included into the horror genre like um warm bodies have you seen warm bodies no (laughs) i I think you should just assume from now on if you ask if you're going to mention a film i haven't watched it (laughs) okay i'll just say uh like warm bodies warm bodies is basically a love story between um, a zombie and a and a real girl, like a girl that's not a zombie. It's like a love story that like they fall in love, and you know, it's how would a how would a relationship pan out if one of one of you were the living dead? And there's oh, quite some graphic like graphic scenes. Yeah, it's nice. It's got oh, what's his name? The little boy from about from about a boy. He's done loads of other things since. Um, oh, I don't know. I can't remember. Nicol- Nicholas Holt. Oh, yeah. No, he's, he was in Skins, yeah. wasn't he? Yeah, yeah. He was in Skins yeah. and he was in Mad Max Fury Road. Uh, oh, yeah. yeah. So he, he was in it. But really nice film. Anywho, um, getting back to... <laughs> oh, we've got a voice message. Very quickly. Hi, everyone. The Renewals Coach here. Mm-hmm. If you're thinking about getting into sales... No, 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 no. This guy <laughs> is everywhere. This guy is like a rash. I mean, I suppose it's good promo, I... isn't it? It's free. I know, but I keep telling the story that I'm not good at sales. <laughs> I already do I'm it for not. a job, so we're all right. <laughs> I'm too honest. Way too honest. If someone came in to buy something and they were like, oh, this is nice. Do you like it? I went, no, it's a cheap bit of tat. What are you doing? It's not worth that, is it, really? <laughs> you can go on eBay oh. or Amazon and get it a lot cheaper, love. <laughs> um, Keith, can we, just, can we just have a word with you in the office for a moment? <laughs> yeah, but I don't think this is working out. <laughs> no, I, I literally do it all the time. When I, used to, when I was 16, I used to work in Debenhams and it was at Lakeside. And there was another shop, I can't remember what it was called, but it was just like at Lakeside as well, where they sold, you know, plates and things, uh, bedding for like a fraction of the price of what Debenhams would sell them for. So people would come mm. in and go, oh, oh, can I buy, you know, this, this set of, you know, plates and cups and things. It was like maybe £150. And mm. I would say to them, oh, I've seen something very similar to this in the shop down the, you know, down the <laughs> precinct. It's... Um, it's like 30 quid. You might as well just go down there and get it, surely. I know. Um, Keith, would you mind just coming to the office for a minute, please? <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah, anyway, Mr. Salesman, leave me alone. I feel like I need to get an injunction out now. <laughs> Harassment order. Yeah, he comes on every single chat. I'm sure it's just not me. I'm sure he's stalking everyone. But anyway, anywho. 
Anywho. So, um, we get to know the character. Do you feel that we get to know the main character quite well before um, the action kicks in? Do you think there's a good no. characterization? Oh. Explain. Let's just... It's such like a... The explanation to why she's deaf is such a quick, like, throwaway thing. If I was on my phone, I would have missed that completely. Oh, really? Yeah. Because I feel like it's such a very quick, like... I had to pause the film to read what the back of the book said. Okay. Yeah. So it kind of makes me feel like it's completely irrelevant. It's mm. a, it's like a... You can read this if you want, but I'm really not bothered if you, if you want to read it or... Do you know what I mean? What it's was the like book a... called? Oh, I can't remember. Is it? Was it? I can't remember. Was it relevant to the plot? I can't remember. And, but it, it had the the um, about the author on the back, didn't it? Saying that she oh, contracted yeah. meningitis when she was young, and then had complications from surgery, which has meant she can't speak and she can't hear. Yeah, I I remember now. Mm. I watched it again like three nights ago, but um. So, okay, so you don't feel like we got to know the character that much before the action kicked in, which is sad because I think that that initial, like, bonding session that you have, if, especially if it's only, like, with, um, if there's only one character in the film that you're supposed mm. to be rooting for, if you don't have that time to get to know them and sort of care for them, then it sort of, like, limits the the rest of the film because you don't have that emotional connection and you're not as with them as much. But I feel like he, he builds the emotional connection in another way in okay. making, making you feel how she feels with, with the silence. And it's almost like he doesn't want you to know about her and her past. He just wants you to know how she kind of sees the world and wants you to see the fit. Do you get what I mean? Like it, it kind of builds mm. the emotional on an, on a diff- different way. Mm. Yeah. So, anyway, Sunny Jim turns up. <laughs> um, how do you think that the the slow tension was built with the arrival of and uh, this is quote the character name on um, from the movie database is the man. The man. I mean, I just need to mention something before. Yeah, of course. We go. We go to the man. Because I'm a bit of like, like I, I don't own a Mac, so I, I don't know how it works, but I'm a bit of a sucker for continuity errors. And when she's texting on her MacBook, her neighbour, obviously she's using mm-hmm. iMessage because you, you've got to use iMessage because it's on an Apple product. But then when she picks mm. up her phone, the, te- the previous text messages aren't over iMessage. Wow. <laughs> So they should be blue messages, and they're not the green. For fuck's sake, Mike Flanagan! <laughs> but then she, <laughs> then she, then she replies to her neighbour on her phone, and the messages start pinging through on iMessage again. This is very confusing. So they should all be iMessage. I mean, if anyone texts off a Mac or a MacBook and that's just how they go through to your phone, then let me know. But I would just assume that iMessage is iMessage and they would yeah. always be... No, okay. 
Well, I'm, I'm so sad that the film was ruined for you due to uh, continuity of technology. <laughs> Do you know what she should have done? should have had an Android. That's what I'm going to oh, say. No. <laughs> um, so, yeah, Mr. Man turns up. Yeah. Obviously, his motive is to rob the house, right? We don't know. We do not. We don't know any motive. Of the man is very sort of unclear. Yeah. I personally think that he stumbles across the house, thinks, I'm going to rob that house. Looks like there's some some good shit, maybe some money involved. Um, He's obviously a serial burglar, isn't he? Because he's got all the kit. Mm, No, I don't agree. Ooh, I love it when we don't agree. Gets me, gets me, <laughs> makes me happy. Um, so, okay, why don't you agree with that? Uh, but I don't want to ruin my theory because. Okay, okay, we won't go there then. Yeah, no, there. I, I just I don't agree. Okay. I know oh, nothing oh. of the movie Hush, but I do fancy delicious popcorn. Mm. Oh, nice. Good morning. <laughs> I love brilliant thought bosses. Morning mind farts are my favourite. Do you do you like popcorn? No. What? Okay. Okay. No. All right. Okay. I'm going to clarify here. I'm going to clarify here. The taste of popcorn to me. Is yummy. It is, you know, especially sweet mm. popcorn. Buttercup, buttercup, rah 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 is like toffee. my favorite. Yes, but I do not agree with popcorn in cinemas. Mm. Yeah, no, I can kind of see where you're coming from with that. It's noisy. Maybe. It's rustly. It's messy. When people crunch it, like during, like one of the most tense moments of a movie you're just like oh my god could you just not wait I went to see <laughs> St Maud with my housemate a couple of weeks ago mind you I did see St Maud three times in the cinema like three nights in a row because I thought it was just an absolutely brilliant modern day horror classic just saying look at watch the trailer it's immense okay um but I was sitting there and my housemate was <laughs> <laughs> and I could feel myself just getting more and more pissed off that this absolute, you know, amazing, beautiful, well-crafted, fantastically acted, classic movie gem was unrolling like in front of me. And all the person next to me could care about was satisfying their hunger with some... <laughs> disgusting crunchy treat <laughs> oh brilliant I'm gonna, send, I'm gonna send you a bag of popcorn for christmas, christmas <laughs> yeah but i will eat it like on my own when, I, when there's no one else to disturb me popcorn at cinemas no 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 and let me no. also say that my um when i went to see a quiet place at the cinema i went to a little small independent cinema in mm. uh, Crouch End, and they did the most perfect thing. The only snack you could take into the cinema 
were marshmallows. Stunning. Am I right? Yeah. And they put them in like little like little plastic pots so that you didn't have so to rustle either. Rustle, yeah. It's the rustling that gets me more than anything. Yeah. And it's like people, oh my God, oh my God, this is like literally my room 101. You know when people get to the bottom of the popcorn and they have like little kernels at the bottom and then they start to shake it? Oh my God, no. Why? Why are you shaking it? You can't I eat them. You'll break your teeth. Stop it. I have to really grip the seat and stop myself from just standing up going, eat shit and die. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, imagine if someone just tuned in on that one. <laughs> Be like, oh, oh, okay. Oh, this is aggressive. We have a great, um, like, inactive of doing that. <laughs> Like having these one liners where if any, like we have this great skill of having these one liners that if someone just like tuned in, we do. Like if someone tuned in the other night and then we just like literally just flicked across, oh, Catherine and Keith, I wonder what they're talking about. (laughs) (laughs) That would have been really weird, really, really weird. But can I just (laughs) say that my actual go to cinema snack is. Uh, chocolate covered raisins. Oh, I do love a chocolate covered raisin. And I empty them out into a little plastic uh, container and pop them in my bag and take them to the cinema with me. Now, this is a thing that we can talk about. Cinemas obviously sell food, and that is how they get a lot of their, um, like, mu- how they make their money basically and get a lot yeah. of profit. Are you someone that? definitely buys food in the cinema or are you someone that would take their own um i'm not really someone that goes to the cinema if i'm being honest but i think that's just down to i wouldn't go to the cinema on my own i don't know i've got a bit of a thing about that um and i don't have any friends that like to go to the cinema so i have asked completely the wrong person this question (laughs) but in the past when i have been to the cinema it depends, yeah. like, if I've gone, like, on a Saturday, I'd be more inclined to, to take my own, like, snacks. But I would always buy a drink from the cinema. Okay. Whereas if I went straight after work, um, I'd buy snacks and a drink there. Because I'd just eat my snacks in work, so. <laughs> okay. So I'm just changing our title just for the next couple of minutes, just while we're discussing this, just in case someone comes on and you want to make a comment. But um, I'll change it back to Hush, obviously, in, in yeah. just a couple of minutes. But, okay, so that's interesting. The cinema that I go to in my hometown is a very small independent cinema. Yeah. It's £3.50 a ticket. Oh, that's cheap. But it's right opposite Aldi. Mm-hmm. So for a box of popcorn, like a drink and something in the cinema. Remember, I don't like eating popcorn in the cinema, so I would have to settle to, I don't know, maybe a packet of minstrels. Yeah, oh, good choice. That, that would have to be like the only thing that I could buy that I like in the cinema, which I don't actually. Like, I like them, but they are a bit crunchy. So I think I'd be a hippo. yeah. I'd rather have revels. Are you mad? What, what, have you ever what's eaten? Wrong with that? Have you ever eaten a coffee revel? 
Yeah, they're my favourites. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. <laughs> a coffee revel for me is I, I, I would I would rather lick a white dog shit than eat a <laughs> than eat a coffee revel. Oh my god, I love them. I thought you'd say I love a white dog shit. <laughs> <laughs> but um no. I, I like the other flavours, but with the chance of getting a rev uh, a coffee one, I can't. I just can't do it. And I do think they're actually adding more coffee ones in there to piss me off. Because Good. my friend Tom, who I go to the cinema with, does like Revels. And I sometimes he offers me one and I think, what's the worst that can happen? The chances, the statistics of me getting a coffee Revel right now is very, very low. And what do I always pop in there? A coffee Decaf- Revel. Yep, caffeinated Revel. And I'm really pissed off all the time when I have one. But, but it's um, kind of strange that you don't like them considering you like coffee. Isn't that weird? But then yeah. again, I don't like oranges, but I like orange juice. You're a bit weird. I am. I think it's texture. I think it's texture, honestly. Oh, no, just And also, that. like, a coffee revel is, like, quite concentrated, isn't it? I like strong coffee, so... Strong coffee? Strong coffee. Um, so... Uh, yes so Audi over the road I will pop into Audi and I will get a packet of um, chocolate covered raisins you know like almost the size of my head for like 80 pence so I've (laughs) saved money already Yeah. and then you walk into this independent cinema and you've got like the people behind and they go hello are you here to see a film you're like yeah no shit and uh, (laughs) and they say Oh, okay. here's your tickets. Thank you very much. Would you like anything else? And I'm like, oh, for goodness sake. Oh. Well, I'm going to have to get something, aren't I? Because it's a small independent cinema. I yeah. paid three pounds fifty for my ticket. I'm going to have to buy something because it's where they make their money. So I literally, I don't know why, and it, I think it's involuntary. I always go, hot dog. <laughs> so... For some reason, I always, <coughs> excuse me, end up buying a hot dog in the cinema. And I don't want it. I might have had my dinner beforehand. I could have had chili con carne 30 minutes before. And I'm still, <laughs> still getting, getting a hot dog. Hot... Yeah. But um, <laughs> I'm starting to wean myself, weaner myself out of that. Did you get that? Weaner myself out of it. Weaner. <laughs> oh, yeah. Hot dog. <laughs> Thank you very much. Um. So what I've started to do now is, uh, obviously, because I've got chocolate-covered raisins in my bag, I do the sweet, savoury thing. But I've started mm-hmm. to get nachos instead. Mm. Now, okay, I'm only ever, never, ever going to do that again. Because have you ever tried to sit through a film with nachos and suck every single individual nacho so that it does not make a crunch in fear <laughs> of being a hypocrite. <laughs> I got nachos once before and I had to suck every single one until it was as soft as a moisturised baby's bottom before I could swallow it. Swallow it. Because... Well, I mean, if anyone's just tuning in right now... <laughs> yeah. We my my description of... 
We're talking about nachos, not moisturized babies, fucks. <laughs> that was. Um, I was thinking was of more men's men's peepees. Yes, um, but yeah, that was the bit. Well, that, that was a massive mistake getting nachos because, I, well, my intent was to finish them before the film started because I always tend to do that. Do you do that where you buy like snacks for the film and then by the time the you know the, the screen like the opening of the film comes up you're like fuck i've eaten everything during the trailers yeah i was actually having this dis- discussion with my housemate the other night funnily enough i was like why does anyone buy anything in the cinema because like everyone eats everything before the film started yeah and then you're sitting there like peckish, peckish. yeah you listen to everybody else rustling the packets and you're like oh which I hadn't have been Damn such greedy guts. But one yeah. thing that we do like to do when we go to the cinema is get a Tango Ice Blast and take a bottle of vodka in. <laughs> <laughs> so hang on a minute. That makes me think that you've actually seen all the films that I mentioned. You just can't fucking remember them because you're pissed. <laughs> is that the truth? No, it's not the truth, but... <laughs> okay. Okay, yeah, I believe you. Thousands wouldn't. I just, I just right. like to have a drink when I'm watching a film. It just... I mean, I don't think I'd be able to drink if I was watching something scary. Because mm. it would be magnetised, like, in my mind. It'd be, not magnetised, magnified. <laughs> magnetised. <laughs> it would be, um... It would be, yeah. It's a, it's a very good thing to do if there's, there's a few of you that have gone and you go and watching, like, a... I, the last one we did it with was Hustlers. So it was me and my yeah, two friends yeah. went and we, we got a bit drunk and it was it was fun, do you know what I mean? Like Yeah. Hustlers was a great, great film. I thoroughly enjoyed it. I'm actually quite yeah. surprised. I do agree with the um with the um sentiment that J Lo should have got a uh Oscar nomination for Hustlers. Oh, she is in that film, she is unreal. To be that age. Yeah. And when you see her on that podium with a pole and you're like, sure, this isn't J-Lo looking like that. And you're like, oh my God, Exactly. She's close to, like, to the age of my mum. And my mum makes a really weird noise when she gets off the couch. <laughs> and there's, there's J-Lo going, <laughs> like on a pole. Oh, she's just incredible. Yeah, she is. I really, really She's like Jenny her. from the block, though. What, what did we expect? Exactly. And she should have got an Oscar nomination. Yeah. I do think that, I do think that, the only the only films I think I would have a drink during is like a musical, because after I've had a few, you know, they won't <laughs> be watching the film. They'll be watching my rendition of uh, of uh, Dancing Queen. I tell you that. <laughs> they'll be like, they'll be like, projectionist, turn the film off. We've got the real thing. <laughs> Did you go? I went and watched Mamma Mia at the cinema. I think I did. I and think I did go. Everybody in the cinema was up dancing and singing. It was fantastic. Yeah. I mean, it was like going to watch the West End musical. Have you, you seen it I mean? on the West End? Okay, I'll tell you a very quick story. When I was younger, I loved theatre. And for my 15th birthday, I was taken to see Phantom of the Opera, which was just mm-hmm. like blew my mind completely. Beautiful. And then... My auntie Jill, who is like a, a, a theatre goer, yeah. said, I've, I've booked something for your 16th. And I was so, so excited. So I think The Lion King maybe was like quite popular at the time or anything. I love The Lion King. 
the film, uh-huh. and I think there was a couple of other things. So we're sitting in the in the restaurant, and she, and she hadn't revealed what show we were watching until like the day, and she went, and now I'm going to reveal to you the musical we will will be partaking this evening is Mamma Mia, and I tell you what, my heart sank, <laughs> absolutely sank. I was like, what the fuck? Because <laughs> I wasn't, I'm not, I'm not. I mean, Abba is fine, but it's yeah. not my my type of music, and also. I was with my mum, my auntie Jill, and like a couple of other their, of their female friends. And I thought to myself, you have used my birthday as an excuse for you lot to go and watch <laughs> fucking Mamma Mia. Get pissed. And I was sitting there and I didn't, I, I had a, like the worst seat as well. I was like on, stuck on the end with like this really tall man in front of me. So I couldn't see anything. And um, absolutely just an absolute piss take that was my birthday my birthday <laughs> but did you not, did you not like the musical though well i liked what i heard i couldn't really see it because this huge great big bald patch was in the way <laughs> it was That's the mamma mia was the the first uh, musical that i ever saw live really yeah. Don't get me wrong, it is fun. It is what it is. It is a fun musical. I mean, the storyline's a little bit dubious. You know, a woman that had sex with three men and can't rem- like remember who the, the yeah the storyline is absolutely whack. But yeah, I think I mean, the that's, atmosphere... that's great role model for kids, isn't it? Yeah, have I sex think... like with many people, and then you can have a musical t- like thirty years in the future. Yeah, um, I think the the atmosphere that it creates in the theatre. It's almost like going yeah, to because a everyone, Well, it's genius. That is the thing. It's genius yeah. because it is like it It taps into nostalgia. People remember ABBA from their childhood or however mm. old you are. You know, for me, I remember ABBA from going down Highfields, the holiday camp, you know, on a Saturday <laughs> night. And uh, my mum getting absolutely pissed on Dancing Queen and it gave me the chance to sneak off and go and chat to uh, this guy I really fancied at uh, number 313 Chalet. Oh. I still remember it to this day. But, um, <laughs> so, yeah. I think the film really did a good job. You know, cute film. It's got some big names in it. It's got Pierce Brosnan, Meryl Streep, um, Julie Walters. Do you know what I mean? It's got a really, yeah. really good cast. And you can tell that they're having a fucking whale of a time and they're getting paid for it. So, yeah. You know, I have nothing against the film at all, but for me, like it was a massive disappointment going to see the musical because there were so many other things that I wanted to see. But it is what it is, you know. There's the thing that really annoys me in life, and this really does irritate me, is that when someone has an interest, someone is passionate about something, someone enjoys something, and then they're ridiculed for that. Yeah, I think that is totally wrong. Because we're all different. We all like different things. But to be ridiculed for something that you are interested in or, or, or like a passion that you have, it's almost like you're being told that you're wrong for having an opinion or wrong for having a passion. And no, mm-hmm. no, that is not wrong. In fact, I don't really care about what people are passionate about. At, at least they're passionate about something. Exactly. Do you know what I mean? And like we've discussed this before, isn't it? My the people that you know that I don't particularly get on well with are people that are 
oh, what did you think of the film? Yeah, it was not too bad. <laughs> um, what did you think well, of the meal? What did you think of your dinner last night? Yeah, not too bad. You're like, oh, fucking have an opinion. You know, have some passion know. in you. Talk, just, just talk about sense. Yeah, I can't stand the not too bad pe- like people in life. I mean, it's okay yeah. to be like that, but at least get some fire in your belly about something. We've got nine messages. I know that. Should we go? I think we need to just pile Well, I've never heard of the film Hush either, but what it is oh. nice to hear are two British accents, especially one that is a northern accent. I'm guessing northwest. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Yeah, I'm from the northwest. Absolutely. <laughs> no, you're not. <laughs> <laughs> I love the way that you said that. No, you're not, Keith. You're you're nowhere near good enough to be from the northwest, darling. Don't kid yourself. <laughs> Hello, but, um, yes. welcome. Northwest Manchester represent whoop, whoop. Manchester. Manchester. <laughs> It's been a couple of months, a couple of years, sorry, since I've seen the film Hush, but I'm pretty sure the guy who robbed the house had something to do with her. Don't quote me on it, nope. but I'm pretty sure nope. she knew him somehow. Nope. Catherine? Nope. You watched it last night and today. You split it into two parts, like a mini-series. <laughs> that absolutely nothing to do with her. But in a way, he did have something a lot to do with her. And this is going to go back to my theory, so you just need to, to just Okay, so we'll finish, we'll finish these messages and then yeah. it's theory time, okay? Okay. Keith is a jackass. Keith is a jackass. <laughs> Keith is a jackass. Don't you stop. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for your constructive input for... <laughs> I actually just did. And uh, the first thought that came to my mind was, wow, Keith has a filthy whore mouth. Oh. Am I swearing a lot? I am swearing a lot, aren't I? I do. It comes from here. Bex has got the dirtiest mouth ever. I I think I'm just, like, amalgamating into her. She's like... I'm trying to kind of, like, censor myself a bit on this app but in real life I think I say the word fuck every three words that was good censorship right there <laughs> <laughs> no I do I, I only really use um, curse words when I'm really passionate about something and I try and place them like strategically to, to get a point across or to have some power in speech do you know what I mean so when when I teach drama to like kids mm-hmm. and they go, um, sir, sir, is it okay if we swear in our, in our scene, in our play? And I'm like, okay, that's interesting because you can swear, but it has to be for a reason. It has to be for an impact. You can't swear for swearing sake because that's immature and that doesn't work. But if you have an actual reason and an actual, you know, if it makes the scene more powerful and interesting than you can swear that was probably well, a mistake I, what I, I can imagine what i need to know is who deemed these words to be swear words like bad words that we shouldn't can we say. do it can we do a discussion about this why do you know the answer no 
I wanna I wanna delve deep into this and talk about it like a proper huge conversation about swearing. <laughs> yeah, it Hold it that thought, wonder. Catherine. Okay. Someone's knocking at the door. Somebody's ringing the bell. Do me a favor, open the door and let him in. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Thought See, boss, I, I think you're doing. The... Sorry, go I was on. just about. To, if you're about to talk about the postcode lottery, then I'm done. Because I was just about to say, I'm sure that's the theme tune from the postcode lottery. <laughs> I don't know. But what I will say is that uh, Thought Boss is the equivalent of photo bombing us on stereo right now. <laughs> yeah, he's voice bombing us. I love him. He's he's voice bombing. Tonight on the BBC, we'll be taking a look at Keith walking through Catherine's uncertain sobriety. Oh, oh, it is uncertain. I can uh, guarantee you that. I mean, it's nearly two o'clock, so any, you know, <laughs> anything risky. can happen. Risky. <laughs> There's a bottle of wine in the fridge. There is indeed. And that's why me and Keith are boyfriend and girlfriend theater goers, because I also saw Phantom of the Opera as my first play. So, bravo, bravo. Thank you, girlfriend. I've never seen Phantom of the Opera. Have you seen the film? No. Of course you You knew as you were asking that what the answer was going to be. I just wasted a breath that could have been my last. (laughs) It's it's one of those musicals that I I don't know, it's never really appealed to me. But I think you'd probably have to get me in the theatre and then I'd be like, oh my God, this is amazing. But from the outside... I would say that Phantom of the Opera is the reason why I went into theatre and acting and you know uh, film and theatre critique honestly because my mum went to watch it and she was pregnant with my brother at the time I always remember because like she was in an R and whether she was going to go and watch it and then she went and she bought back the CD you remember those CDs yes I do remember CDs um, and she it was on the table i remember she she'd got back late that night and it was on the table when i woke up in the morning and she was like oh you should listen to it it was a really good show and i listened to it and the whole first act like just lit a fire inside me i thought I it was maybe, beautiful uh, yeah i feel like maybe i need to go and listen to the soundtrack because like music yeah. is the thing from from musicals that kind of resonates with me the most so yeah. i think maybe if i go and listen to the soundtrack that it might Listen to the original cast soundtrack with um, Sarah Brightman and Michael Crawford. Oh, I do like Sarah Brightman. Yeah. The thing about it is, is that um, at the time, I didn't know the concept of acting Mm -hmm. through music. So there was like proper emotions going on in that musical, like of people actually, you know, vocalising their you know, what they were feeling, but through music. Mm-hmm. And I'd never experienced that before. And I was like, oh my goodness, this is great. Yeah. So I think that's why Les Mis is one of my favourite musicals, because like I said the other night, there's probably about three sentences spoken in. Like it, it's all done through music. 
ャベーイチャベーイレイミズ・スコール・エディション、アイディッド、アイノー、アイフ・セン・エプリッド、センス・ウェル・アブ・スコール、バイウズ・マリアス。See, I re- so obviously when I was in high school, I was heavily involved in like drama and music. And obviously when we did the school plays, it was always a musical. One year we did high school musical. <laughs> like I just, I think that was a, a bad year for our school. Um, but I、yeah. was just like, can we please go? Please, can we do Les Mis? Please, please, please. But I think it was just there was no one really like that many people that wanted to get involved with the singing side of it. So we could never really do it. Yeah. Which was such a shame. Definitely. Because I would have loved, loved to have done it. Yeah, definitely. And I think that、um, Les Mis is a great one because it, you can do it. You know, with younger people, because there are sort of themes and issues running through that show that do resonate、mm-hmm. with younger people. Because you've got obviously quite young characters like、uh, Cosette and Eponine, you know, they're going、yeah. through like a, a really rough childhood. You know, Eponine's obviously in love with someone who can't, who doesn't love her back. Yeah. And has the parents from hell. 100%. Uh, 100%. You know. <laughs> Yeah, but she also sings probably one of the most beautiful songs ever written for musical theatre on my own. I love that song.、Oh、yeah. Oh, I feel like I'm going to have to go listen to the soundtrack after this because I just love it. I think we're going to do, I think me and Bex are going to do some sort of musical sing along, or, or、um, I think that would be really cool. That would be、yeah. nice, wouldn't it?、Um, yeah. But、um, one of the most emotional bits for me in that show was, and I used to actually properly cry. Remember, I was only about 14, 15. It was、um, the bit when Eponine dies in like, Maris's arms. You know,、mm-hmm. um, a little fall of rain or something, I think it's called,、cool, isn't it? You know, when she sings that song about、um, something can't hurt me now. I can't, I can't remember the name of the song. Damn it. But,、um, is it dies, ca- no, it's not and- Castle on the Cloud, is it? No, it's like,、um, don't you sweat, Monsieur Marius. I don't feel any pain. That one. Do you, know, do you remember that one? A little, yeah, a little fall of rain. That's it. A little fall of rain. That's what it's called. It's when she dies. Spoilers! And、uh, she <laughs> dies in Marius's arms. It was so sad. And the girl who was playing、uh, Eponine, Tracy Goddard, I'll never forget.、Um, we used to have to, like, to exit the stage after she died. And we would just like, hug each other and be really, really sad. Because <laughs> <laughs> it, re- like, it really upset us because,、um, because it was, you know. <clears throat> Such a, an emotional moment, and、uh, yeah, anyway, I'm just being really musical theater like wanky right now. But let's、yeah. listen to him. Oh, by the way, am I annoying the fuck out of you guys by being the <laughs> only one making 1347 messages? No, you're not annoying. No, it carry on, it splits, it splits it up, you know, it, it, it gives people like some a little bit of a breather. A break from my non dulcet tones. It gives you a break from speaking. <laughs> That was really passive aggressive. <laughs> <laughs> no, like, you just, it gives you a break from speaking. <laughs> no, because your throat's hurting, so it gives you a little rest. Yeah, you're right. I was really, I was,、uh, I left a voice message for Tiggy this morning and I sounded like Barry White. It was terrible. <laughs>、oh.
Good morning, lovely people. Um, I've just Appreciate. joined in. I don't understand why popcorn should be banned. I don't know what your beef is with popcorn, but um, I don't think so. I like popcorn. It tastes nice, and it's good while you're watching a movie. And then it opens a whole can of worms, because if you ban popcorn for whatever reason you want to ban it, do you have to ban hot dogs? Do you have to ban no. sweets? M&M's? No. All that kind of stuff. No. <laughs> no, because hot dogs don't make a sound. What sound does a hot dog make? <laughs> <laughs> Rishi, we've we've gone through it already, but basically, I hate popcorn because it's too loud in the cinema. Too loud. It's not to be eaten, uh, you know, during a film that has quiet, emotional moments, no. or a horror film that has, you know, long periods of silence before the boo moment. It's not good. No marshmallows. People should be eating marshmallows in the cinema. It's a great idea. I also <laughs> like to fucking use my swear words in strategic fucking places. And Catherine, I also like to use the fuck word every fucking chance I fucking get. <laughs> oh, I love fuck. him. I love him. Yeah. He's got so much energy. He matches my... Uh, my energy sometimes, and I find that quite, quite um, a turn on. No, I'm joking. <laughs> um, Rishi's message. Been I think me and Rishi are going to have like a bit of a fight. Yeah, I think, I think he... we might be fight in a minute. Yeah. He, I, I mean, we're about to listen to his message. If he says, "Nah, popcorn is fine," then you are not my fellow DJ, Rishi. Okay. What about? Um... Tacos or Doritos with all the cheese no. in it. That makes a bit of noise. We've discussed this. We had to suck them dry before we feel comfortable <laughs> to munch them in the cinema. It's just every time you do, you talk about how you ate those nachos. It just, I'm not <laughs> thinking of nachos. Oh, no. A different kind of cheese. No. Oh. <laughs> Oh, no, 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 no. Rishi, I respect your opinion, I do. I, but I just don't think that any food that makes a noise should be eaten in the cinema. Simple as that. I just think yeah. it's wrong. It's just down to I personal just... preference, though, isn't it? Some people, it, it doesn't bother. Yeah. Like, we'll be watching something downstairs and my housemate will start playing Instagram stories on, on his phone and I'm like, that's so annoying. Like, can you stop that? Yeah. If, if I did it, he, it wouldn't bother him. So yeah, but I don't think it's. I think I think preference. I mean, preference would be sweet and salted, wouldn't it? I think that, like, if you're actually annoying someone, if you're if you're in an environment like a cinema where you're all there to share the same goal, sit and watch a film. I think that if you are making noises or even it goes like I mean talking, people that talk during a film like. Oh my god! Eat shit and die. Seriously, I oh, hate I it with a passion. So oh, like, why I, are you here? When, I've paid as much to, as you have. I know. When I go to the cinema, I always make sure I'm on the back row, and it, it's nothing more annoying than like you'll be halfway through the film, and then all of a sudden you see this big blob of light from somewhere halfway down the cinema because someone can't stay off the phone for more than ten minutes, and it's like oh, so distracting. 
It really is. I hate it. I really do hate it. If people are going to the cinema, they have to respect others around them. Yeah. And uh, I just find it really annoying when they don't. So, yeah. Ban popcorn. Ban nachos. Hot dogs are fine because they just don't really make a noise, do they? And, no. um Yeah. That's that's where I that's my stance. Anyway. <laughs> right. Yeah. Sorry. I think I came in the conversation way too late. <laughs> sorry. No, you don't it's need to okay. apologize. Never apologize. You don't have to apologize. Um, no, don't ever, don't ever apologize to me, Rushwa. I'll try really hard to talk less, <laughs> but I'm just imagining being a nacho right now. Oh no! He has got a brilliant laugh. Yeah, he has. Did you hear what he said? He's imagining he... being a nacho. Oh, I thought he said he was eating a nacho. No, he said he's imagining being a nacho because I'd suck him dry. (laughs) (laughs) At least I'm not the only one thinking it, so... Okay, that's fine. That's fine. Anyway, back to... (sighs) Where did we get to? Mr. Man's just turned up. Yep. And then someone left a voice note saying, "Did, did she know him? Yeah, someone said that they think that there might have been something within the movie that indicated that she knew who he was or that they had some sort of personal connection, which you shot down. No, not true. Because you watched it last night and this morning. Yeah, well, I fell asleep Um, to it last night. That's understandable. (laughs) It was really late. I was so tired. I got chucked off of stereo for exceeding my hours. I'm not surprised. I know, right? So, when it comes to when it comes to the moment that the um, the villain oh, of the hello. piece is revealed, hello, 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 me? hello, I can hear you. Can you hear me? Yeah. What happened there? Oh, you're going a bit like a robot. You can do the robot with Keithy. Um. Am I still going like a robot now? Oh, no. Stay wherever you are, stay. Oh, shit. No pressure. (laughs) Do not move. I've literally got a pistachio, like, halfway in my mouth. What can I do? (laughs) Oh, no. You can, like, move yourself. Just, like, don't move from the spot that you're in. (laughs) Um, So, Mr. Mr. Man turns up. How do you think the the scenario of like a home in, home invader attacking a woman who's deaf <clears throat> obviously is, is a very scary concept to begin with anyway. How do you think that the the tension of his appearance and how his uh, behaviour escalates through the film um, is handled? Did you find it exciting? You've gone again. You, were you threatened by him? Have I gone? Oh, my word. Here she is. Hello? Hello? 
Can you hear me? I can hear you now. I didn't move. I don't know what happened there. You just went like a robot and then went. Are you having a home invasion? Uh, no, I don't think so. <laughs> okay. Please, please don't. And if whoever's <laughs> breaking into Catherine's apartment, can you please wait until after this chat is finished? Thank you. <laughs> oh, I love how it's not like, please don't. It's like, just please wait. <laughs> yeah, sorry about that. It's, and to be fair, it might be my internet because Ben's downstairs working. So oh, I think, I think our Wi-Fi is probably being pulled to his computer. So... Okay, I I promise I won't move. You don't move either. So, (laughs) the question I had for you was: How do you think the tension of the appearance of the man? How do you think that um, the threat is is um, introduced? How do you feel about that? And were you threatened by him? I mean, he's wearing a mask, quite menacing. Did you find him threatening? Well, considering we'd just seen her neighbour being stabbed by him repeatedly. Yeah, that would do it. It was a little... Yeah, I was a little bit threatened by him. Because it was the way that (laughs) he was, like, unnecessarily stabbing her to kind of see if Maddie would kind of realise he was there with the noise. Yeah. And he was like, if you oh. remember, he was banging like the neighbor's like head against the door to try and get her attention, and she she just had no idea. That was like brilliantly done, though. Yeah, I mean, ha- like they could have done that a completely different way, couldn't they? It could have been like he could have been like knocking on the window, like and everything like that, trying to get her attention, then realizing that she was deaf. But to do it in such a morbid, mm. sort of gruesome way, I thought was really in keeping with um, like the tone of the film. Yeah. I really enjoyed that. <coughs> oh my yeah. goodness, I swallowed a pistachio hole. Oh, <coughs> oh. are you okay? I'm all right, I'm all right. Yeah, I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm, I'm all good. Um, okay. I'm all good. Um, so, right, I think it's time. Okay, so let's round this up. There's a lot of toing and throwing during the movie. And then she ultimately um, wins out. Mm-hmm. Not going to say how, because I think that if there are people listening that want to watch it, they don't want the ending spoiled. I don't think I don't think the spoiling the beginning, like maybe the first act, the the first act and a half of a film, is a problem because it is all about the setup, and sometimes it's the setup that sort of is interesting enough to make people go, "Oh, I actually quite like the sound of that." But I never spoil like, the ending. My the- I've got something to say about the film that might spoil it. Okay, well, I'm just talking about me. I can't control your actions. <laughs> You're your own person. Okay. You can so- spoil. You can. Is it a mild spoiler? Is it like boom? This is what happens at the end. It's kind of what happens at the end. So. Just in regards to what happens at the end, I'm going to do it without trying to say what what happens. Um, it's almost like Maddie is is making 
there's a really nice I don't know how to say it without spoiling it there's a really nice reflection between what she does to him at the end and how she's Mm. kind of lived her life so if you remember she I'm just going to have to say it because there's no other way to say it so she okay hang on hang on hang on one second spoiler alert spoiler alert (laughs) right so obviously she she picks up the, the wasp spray stuff, doesn't she? And she sprays it in his eyes. Yeah. Which blinds him. And then she picks up the alarm, the fire alarm that she has and turns it on and deafens him. And then she gets that corkscrew or whatever it was and she jabs it into his voice box so he can't speak. Yeah. And I think it's just a very nice reflection for him in his final moments to know what she feels like in her final moments. Like, obviously, we know that she she doesn't have final moments, but um, obviously her vision's starting to go blurry because she's losing a lot of blood. She can't speak, she can't hear, and it's kind of like a fuck you, basically. This is why I love talking to you about films. <laughs> because I was just all about the... Oh my God, she survived! Stabby, stabby! I that that sort of may have been there, but more in my subconscious. But you've just vocalised it and blown my mind. <laughs> well, it's true though because yeah. she's—it's like a, ro- a role reversal then, because then she's the one that's in control, not him, and it's kind of yeah. putting him in in the weakened position. I mean, obviously, he bleeds to death, as anyone would, after being stabbed in the throat. But um, it's just a nice little, like, power regain for her in that situation. No, I agree completely. And I feel like, yeah, I I feel like he kind of, the um, is it Mike? Mike, is that his name? I think that's how he kind of did it on purpose, because from the beginning of the film, we know that that fire alarm is sat on the kitchen counter. So why yeah. did she only choose to use it in that moment? Yeah. Because her neighbour makes a very valid point of saying, like, it is deafening. Why is it so loud? Yeah. Yeah. I completely agree with you. Yeah. I completely agree with you. So, so good. You've opened my mind. I'm going to have to watch it again tonight now and have that in oh, mind. Gosh. <laughs> so, was that, um, was that incorporated into the theory? Like, no. No, okay. <laughs> right, hang on a minute. I'm just going to put my feet up. Oh. Right. Here we go. Here we go. So, I, I need to know, first of all, did you take it quite literally that some guy had, like, tried to kill her and and that was the end of it like she won is is that the kind of way that you saw it or did you see into it a little bit deeper than that from a narrative point of view yes i saw it as like your first option you know deaf uh you know deaf and mute lady is attacked by home invader uh uses her wits to defeat him in the end okay so did i until the very last scene that very last moment when the camera is on her and she does that smile Mm. now that wasn't a smile of happiness to me 
that was a smile of accomplishment. It was almost like a smirk. And I was like, that's quite a weird expression to be having when you've just been through this awful thing and you've had to Mm. kill a man. So then I was kind of like thinking about it and I was just trying to like piece together why she'd be smirking. And then it kind of dawned on me that I don't think any of that happened. <gasps> Excuse moi, pardon, I, madame. I don't think anything in that film was real life. So obviously there was um, a moment when I had to kind of skip back and, and listen to and, and watch a couple of things again. Um, but Maddie, she, she kind of explained to her neighbour that she likes to devise different outcomes and scenarios for a book. Um, and then she kind of like chooses the one that, that will make it to the, to the cut, basically. Now, obviously, in that film, there are several moments where Maddie kind of sees things and like you think it's happening in the film, then it, it kind of jumps back to where she was. Um, so she's kind of like playing out scenarios in her head. And I genuinely think that she she was just trying to find an ending to a book. I don't think any of that in that film happened. Oh, shiver my timbers. <laughs> That's a really, really, really interesting um, perspective on the film because you could go so far to say... I told you I had a theory. <laughs> You could go so much more deeper into that rabbit hole. You could even say that maybe she found the ending to her book, wrote the book, and that this is a this is a film um, <laughs> adaptation of her book. You could, but this is why I feel like going back to when you asked the question of if the intruders, um, what did you say? Like his his intentions are known. I think the reason that you never find out the killer's intentions is because you've already read the novel. This is the ending to it. So, you know, everything that she's wrote yeah. previous to the murders, you would know the story behind it. And that's it would be explained to the reader, but not the viewer. Do you get what I mean? Kind of. Just explain it one more time. I just need to hear that again so that I can piece the piece together. So it because it's showing the ending of her book, if it was real life, so if you'd read the book, you yeah. would already know the killer's intentions. But because we're just seeing her trying to get the ending of her book, we've no need to know that because the reader in the film would already know. Right. Okay. Okay. Do you get, do you get what I mean? It's quite yeah. hard to explain. So you're saying that if we're reading a book, it wouldn't necessarily be the narrative of the film. We wouldn't have started where we started. We wouldn't have... You would have started... Because this is what I'm saying. When she she sat at her laptop and then she's on FaceTime to her sister and her sister's like, oh, what was that um, behind you? Okay. And then obviously she gets up and, and that's when the whole like thing starts, doesn't it? Like... That so what you're saying is the ending of her book. So what you're saying is basically, from where the film starts, it's maybe the last five chapters of the book. Yeah, 
So if you're reading the book, you already know the backstory to the killer and the characters. Yeah, because her story could be like the third act of the book, but like the first, but the, but the, the whole film. Yeah. So if you're reading the book, you don't need to know the backstory because we're just watching her writing the end of her novel, in, but in her head, like... Catherine, <laughs> you, have, you have surpassed yourself in this one. <laughs> I did not think that we could get any more of a, of a, you know, explanation from last time when we spoke about the invisible man. <laughs> but now... I don't even know if I'm real. I don't even know if I'm in a, in a book. Is this a book? Am I a book? What's going on? <laughs> Sorry. What? Sorry no, to make I you feel like that. <laughs> I thought it was fantastic. And what um, what a unique perspective to have on it. Because you could take it like that. And, you know, um, like I was saying, that Mike Flanagan is obsessed with um, adapting Stephen King novels now. So obviously he's yeah. a writer working with like material, like books that have already been written. So he is obviously obsessed with um, literature because mm-hmm. he's a massive Stephen King fan. So, you know, and Stephen King often plays with the idea of like a writer going through turmoil in his books, i.e. Misery, uh, Secret Window. They're all books about authors that are like tormented because they can't, you know, find an ending or, you know, what they've written isn't pleasing their audiences. Mm-hmm. So I think that your theory is really valid. And I don't, I, I think if anyone's heard this and they've seen Hush before, I think they could easily go back and rewatch it and have a different perspective. Yeah. All because like of I... you. <laughs> Yay. But like I said, it wasn't until that last moment when she smirked and it just it didn't sit right with me because if that was me I wouldn't be smirking no I'd be like crying yeah because you've just but it's almost like this little like I've I've got it moment you know what I mean like yeah that's it like yeah like oh my god like this is this is the best thing that I could have written to to end my book mind-blowing mind <laughs> blowing that has completely changed like my perception of the film now and I can't wait to go back and rewatch it and apply your theory and see that you need to it, go and um, rewatch it if it holds water from the very beginning which is like thinking about it it definitely will so that's really really interesting mm-hmm. um I sort of like I think any question after that is going to be a bit of an anticlimax but I'm going to ask them anyway um, <laughs> go on so the two films that we've watched um, and spoken about so far, The Invisible Man and Hush, there yeah. are obviously some similarities in um, the, you know, the stories um, in the issues that the, both of the films deal with. So you've got The Invisible Man that deals with sort of domestic abuse um, within a relationship. Now, although mm-hmm. I know your theory... I know you're theory. <laughs> let's do let's do a skim of the surface theory of the yeah of the invisible. Um, obviously a very powerful central female character, very female driven, um, someone who is you know having to fight, to fight. a masculine force. Mm-hmm. 
then you have Hush, you know, very female centric, um, having to fight a masculine force, you know, a woman fighting for her life, survival, uh, but all based around, you know, a female protagonist. Do you think that um, it's safe to say that Invisible Man and Hush could be watched as a double bill for a more um, sort of interesting viewing when it comes to um, females in the horror genre? I think they could. It's quite nice to see the females win in the end because usually the dad at the end of the film, like, the, the big bad man comes and gets them and, and that's the end. But it's quite nice to see these two very strong female characters have a happy ending, yeah. if you like. Yeah. I mean, um, I'm just going to change the subject. So the, the surviving <laughs> female character in a film... Bear with, bear with. The final, char- um, final character in a horror film that usually survives is is usually female. So I'm not I'm not taking away from what you just said. There there are a lot of films where the females like don't make it to the end. It's always like maybe a male character, but hmm. in, especially in the eighties slash nineties slasher films, <laughs> the final girl wins through. So you have Jamie Lee Curtis. You have. Neve Campbell, you know, um, Sydney Prescott in the screen movies. You have, um, you know, the final girl is quite prevalent in a lot of like the Friday the 13th films. Uh-huh. But I think that now the final girl role in horror movies has changed. I think it's because they are facing more sort of intimate, um, like villains, for example, you know, like the guy in Hush, you know, he plays on this, um, this lady's uh, disability. Yeah. I mean, he is, I mean, you can imagine that underneath the mask, like before the mask is taken off, that he's probably smiling and having a bit of a, you know, playing a game. Yeah. To begin with. And then you have um, the, the villain in the invisible man obviously is getting a kick out of being invisible and tormenting, Mm -hmm poor elizabeth moss but these characters do ultimately win out in the end so i do think that uh, this isn't necessarily a question it's more of a statement i think that the final girl theory still applies to horror films i just think it's more emotionally and intelligently um you know done yeah i think it is i think you know the final girl is just not the final girl because she's a virgin anymore You know, and talking about like the final girl who is the best, like for me, Jamie Lee Curtis is always going to be like the original final girl. But I do love um, Elizabeth Moss in Invisible Man. Yeah. I think that, you know, she walks away from that situation having won, although by means that I wouldn't necessarily agree with, i.e., murder. But um, she does walk away from that situation with her like dignity restored. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So I like that. And with um, Hush, Hush, you know, well, I, I can't really say my original thoughts on, you know, the protagonist's um, victory because now you've just completely blown my mind with a theory that doesn't doesn't hold water for my, for my, <laughs> um, 
for my explanation. So thanks for that, Catherine. <laughs> it's all right. You should have you should have known that it was going to be something that. <laughs> yeah. No, definitely. I loved it. I thought it was excellent. So yeah, hush. Now we have to discuss um, what comes next. I mean, I still got your film to watch. Um, just to let you know, I am intent of watching it. Stereo is taking my life a little bit, but um, it's all right. Six. Oh god, I can't remember what it's called. Six. Six underground. Six underground. There we go. Yeah. I did. I'm, to start right. to I'm gonna have to start writing some questions down because. <laughs> But I, I'm just not very good at asking questions, to be honest. So, <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's fine. It's, I think it's just it's I, just an action film, isn't it? It's just probably no, but, the only action film that I like. So, <laughs> yeah, I loved it. I thought it was really good. I thought it was um, the opening sequence that I saw. The mistake that I made was watching it with one of my family members who just will not do gore in any way shape or form so there's a <laughs> moment in the first sort of 15 minutes where an eyeball like, is flying through the air yeah yeah um oh, i mean it, it was my mum that i was watching it with i'm not you know i was gonna say but she was just like uh i don't think this is my thing i don't think oh bless her so i went okay then and then we ended up watching uh nicholas cage and meryl streep in adaptation which is a more of a <laughs> you know calm you know more yeah or um more dialogue driven film than uh six underground but i will watch it i promise <laughs> i have any, every intention and we can have a discussion on that but yeah. uh in the meantime um let's try and find something okay blah, 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 blah. what's it called uh, i haven't seen it so this is going to be really interesting because i haven't seen it i don't think you've seen it yet and um therefore Hang on a minute. I'm just going to try and find out what it's yeah, this, this could be interesting if neither of us have seen it. Yeah, and then we watch it for the first time. Uh, I read an article about it this morning. Where is it? Uh, let's have a look. Let's have a look. Movies, movies, movies. Say something. I, I'm, I'm scrolling. <laughs> Say I'm something. I'm give it up. On you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's nice. That was nice. I enjoyed that. Huh. Oh, it's the film. Oh, we, I think we've spoken about it actually. What was the film? It was uh, Matt Smith. It's like a new something house. Something house. Oh, oh, some. It's on Netflix, on Netflix, isn't it? Oh, hang on, I've got Netflix. Yeah, here. Well, I'll just have a scroll through. Oh, I should ask you. We'll just ask you. Um, I'm sure. Oh no, it's not. On, no, it's not on my list. Is it on my list? Have you watched Selling Set? Oh my god, I can't speak. Selling Sunset on Netflix yet? Oh no. Oh, you need to watch it. It would. It, well, I not. Depends if you like watching trashy TV. To be honest. I do have my moment. I am a huge. Um, I an episode of Big Brother when I was growing up. It was like oh, you you go in in and out. Oh no, oh no, that's because I'm on a website. Can you hear me? <laughs> I can hear you. <laughs> so the film is his house. His house. 
his house. It's only an hour yeah. and 33 minutes. So nice, easy watch. Let um, me tell you a little fact about um, the film. It has what? 100% people like it on Rotten Tomatoes. Oh. It's a very, okay, it's a... It's a very rare feat. Yeah, it's a 95% match for me on Netflix. Oh, this is sounding this is sounding promising. Am I right? Yeah, I mean, I, I watched the trailer um, also, when it first came out for it, and I, for I, and I put it I put it straight onto my remind me list on um, on oh. Netflix. So I got a little notification when it came out. That's good. And for a film to have a hundred percent on Rotten Tomatoes and be of the horror like genre is almost unheard of. I think there's only one film. Do you know the highest rated film? On um, on Rotten Tomatoes. Do you reckon you could guess? I'll give you three guesses. The highest rated, like film. I feel that like like. I I've actually googled this in the past and I can't remember the answer. It's quite a curveball. I I think. I think it's like. Eh? I feel like it. I'm trying to remember what it was. I, I don't think it's going to come back to me. No? Are you ready? Drum roll. Toy Story 3. <laughs> yeah. Toy Story 3 is the highest rated movie on Rotten Tomatoes. I mean... Isn't that bonkers? I do, like... I do like Toy Story 3. I love it. It's got one of the most darkest moments in a in a kids film ever the bit when they're you know sliding down the uh the rubbish into the the furnace oh my god every time i cry at that bit every single time when i first watched it i did honestly think this is it oh my god they're gonna end the toys with all the toys being melted down yeah and it's just that moment where they all kind of like join hands and you're just like this is the end of my childhood era like and just even though after watching it and then re-watching it, I knew they weren't going to die. I was still absolutely crying my eyes out because I was like, it's the end. I know. And then Toy Story 4 came out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Which I still haven't watched all the way through. <laughs> yeah, I was disappointed, if I'm honest. I keep I falling asleep during it. <laughs> yeah. No, I didn't, I didn't find it very... Um... Like I didn't find it necessary for starters, mm-hmm. but also the thing I really didn't like about it was that they sidelined a lot of the main characters. So, for example, Buzz is pretty much sidelined for the whole film in Toy Story Four. It was almost yeah. like, what was the point? I know that it is Woody's story, you know, and it was almost like rounding off like Woody's journey. But you know, you can't. You know, Toy Story is about teams your team buzz your team woody it let down team buzz like completely massively yeah massively and how dare Um, you do that i wonder if there's going to be a toy story 5 yeah of course there will there has to be because it's a franchise that they know will make money and also Mm. um the thing with things like toy story is like anything like we are obsessed hollywood is obsessed with remakes and sequels yeah remakes and sequels um are literally the scourge of hollywood 
because they are literally just cashing in all the time. There's no, like, original ideas are being, like, scripts, like, really good scripts that are original that could really, you know, really make an impact and, you know, be really good films are not being made because, you know, the script on top is, I don't know, another Halloween film or another alien film or, you know, Fast and the Furious. So, so many screenwriters that have original ideas really struggle to get their films made. And it's almost like studios, well, I thought, well, your small independent film um, that's going to cost maybe, I don't know, $1 million. But first, you have to make a Fast and the Furious film or a Halloween film before you can do that. So it's almost like yeah. people, to get, to get anything made in Hollywood these days, you have to sell your soul to the system. It's a shame, really, isn't it? That's a really difficult sentence to say if you have a lisp. Sell your soul to the system. Sell your soul, Sell your to, soul the to the system. Sell your soul to the system. But, um, yeah, so let's do... Oh, I've forgotten it already. Something his house. house. His house. His. His house. His. His house. Who's that? His house. His. I'm going to remember. Whose house? His house. His. So we'll do. I'm going to watch, and then um, we can schedule a conversation about yes. his house. His house. Don't... I'm just trying. Just trying to now. I'm trying to get onto it. Oh, sorry, go on. I'm just having a look for what's on my list on Netflix. Did you watch that film? Oh, what was it called? Oh, I'm going to really not be able to remember what it's called. Who's in it? Mm, I don't know. It was on Netflix. And it was released not that long ago. It was released in lockdown. I think it might have been by the guy that did the Eternal. One second. Oh, my goodness. I know what it is. It's called um, I'm Thinking About Ending It. Yes. With uh the amazing Jesse Buckley. Yes. Have you have you watched it? I have indeed. Brilliant film. I mean that film I think is like the epitome of a Marmite movie. Yeah. You love it or you hate it. You do love it or you do hate it. It really is like that simple and yeah, I mean, I I I love his work. Like um, Spike Jones, who made the who made it. I love his work. You know, it's um. Oh no, I don't think Spike did direct it. I think it was the is Charlie Kaufman. I think directed it himself. Yeah, it's Charlie. Charlie yeah, Kaufman yeah. did it himself. Yeah, because Spike Jones did um, because you know I, I was telling you that I watched that film with my mum adaptation with uh, Nicolas Cage and Meryl Streep. That is the same guy same writer as um, I'm thinking about ending it. All right. And he also wrote uh, Being John Malkovich, which is one of my favourite films of all time. I love that film. That's that's on Netflix. We should, we should do oh. Being John Malkovich. Oh, I'm very excited. Why? What happened? Because my favourite rom-com film is now on Netflix. Go on, hit me. Oh, the five-year engagement. 
<laughs> oh my god do you know what i had to buy this film on get it off ebay because i couldn't find anywhere else that was selling it and it was on no streaming sites yeah it is now oh my god i'm so happy i'm gonna watch it about 10 times in the next week is it a christmas film no it's got um jason oh. segal and emily blunt in it oh okay i like emily blunt yeah quite a self-explanatory like title of the film as well <laughs> Like if if lockdown gets too heavy, I might start watching something a little bit lighter. Yeah, the five year engagement is a brilliant film. I love it. Yeah. Oh, amazing! Oh, I'm so excited. Yeah. Go in my basket. Going straight in my basket. Definitely, we should definitely do a watch of um, being John Malkovich though, because I can imagine that you have a thousand theories on that film. That is theory fodder for Catherine. What's it called? Being John Malkovich. It's brilliant. Cameron Diaz is in it, I think, if I remember rightly. Mm, Yes, she is. Oh, my God, I can't remember her name. This is really annoying me. Who plays... uh, uh, Who was married to Chris Martin... She released the candle like this smells like my vagina. Oh, Gwyneth Paltrow. Gwyneth Paltrow. <laughs> <laughs> I love how it wasn't the Chris Martin thing that got me. It was the, the candle smelling like her vagina. <laughs> yeah. Um, I always used to get um, her and Cameron Diaz confused. It's easily done. Yeah. It's like I always get um, Al Pacino and Robert De Niro confused. Like, I'm just really bad with names, to be honest, so I get them all confused. Yeah, I get, um, oh, Sharice uh, Theron and, oh, who plays Harley Quinn in the films? Oh, oh Margot, Margot, oh, Margot Robbie. Margot Robbie, Margot Robbie, Sharice Theron and Margot Robbie, I always get confused as well. Yeah. They always look so like, fem- like Familiar, like similar to one another, don't they? It's strange. Robert De Niro, I think, is because they were like famous around the same time, hmm. and they're similar-sounding names, and they appear in similar like film genres. So that's why I get them confused. Do you know whose films I do like? Hit me, Melissa McCarthy. Oh, she's so good. I know, I think she's her, just... Can You Ever Forgive Me? Did you see her with, um, in that with uh, Richard E. Grant? Uh, don't think I've watched that one, actually. Oh, my God. Second. It's a true story. It's a true story about a woman who um, finds, like, a letter from a famous author and then takes it into, like, um, like a... Well, I don't know what they call it, like a pawn pawn shop, you know, to sell it. Yeah. And she gets quite a lot of money from it. So then her and her friend uh, decide to start forging letters from famous, like, authors from the past. (laughs) And they create this sort of, like, monetary empire from doing it. Uh, But obviously, not everything goes to plan. But she's brilliant in it. 
really good. I think you I probably actually... picked the only Melissa McCarthy film I haven't watched. <laughs> oh my goodness. Well, that's definitely on the list to watch as well then, because it's yeah. fantastic. I went to... Um, when that film was released, it was released... Um, it was shown at the London Film Festival, and I was working. I used to take a sabbatical from the theatre to work the two months of the film festival because, you know, can you imagine me working on a film festival? I was a pig in <laughs> shit. Um, so I used to go to all of, like, the, the galas. I used to get up at, like, seven o'clock in the morning and go and watch the press screenings in Leicester Square at, like, half seven. And just used to, I, I watched about 40 films in two weeks. Oh, my God. But Melissa McCarthy was there at the premiere for Can You Ever Forgive Me? And... Um, because I was working there and everything, I did the red carpet. You know, I wasn't like dressed up or anything. I just like ran down it. I can't stand things like that. Yeah. Um, and just went in and she was like right there. She was in arm's length. I could like stroke oh. her. She was amazing. And I thought the film was great. And she came up at the end with um, <clears throat> the director and Richard E. Grant and did a Q&A. And she, she's just fantastic. She's fabulous. Fabulous, darling. <clears throat> what other film do you, is, do you like her in? What's her best film, in your opinion? Mm, I do like Bridesmaids. Yeah. But I, also I mean, there's a she's... reason. There's a reason why that's on, you know, a lot of people's top sort of five lists of best comedies. Because it's great. Yeah. I, but I do also really like Identity Thief. Yeah. Oh, God. Yeah, I like that film. Really Jason, funny film. Jason Bateman. Jason Bateman. I think his name is. I think so. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, I like. Um, I actually quite enjoyed, even though you know, I I'm not a huge fan of that, the, those styles of films. I actually enjoyed Spy as well. I thought that. Was yeah. Really good. She's she's just so funny. That's why it's. Yeah. Oh, I just. Love but, then her. I, but then I also have a huge thing for Jude Law. So. Well, yeah, he is quite sexy. Yeah. Oh, we've got a message. We've got a voice message. Let's have a listen. Hey, very good afternoon. I've only just got this stereo app thing. Um, enjoying it. So, hello. I'm down in Cornwall, southwest England. Um, are you having a good afternoon? Hi, Mark. Hi. Welcome to the family. The ever-growing family. Yeah. I love talking to the Americans. Don't get me wrong. I love it. Some of the, like, like the best people that I've met on here are from the States. But it's so nice when a new, like, countryman pops yeah. up, isn't it? Because you're like, oh, Cornwall. I love that. Well, oh, actually, I, I, just think, I just think in my head, right, make friends of them. And then you've got somewhere to stay in Cornwall next time you go. <laughs> <laughs> I'm joking. I'm joking. He's not. If you invite me to your house, you're you're more of a fool than I thought. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear! But um, no, it's lovely. Thank you very much, Mark. Uh, you are more than welcome. We've just been talking about like movie recommendations, something that we can speak about next time. I think we've got our film for next time, haven't we? His house. His house. And then maybe maybe we'll do a rom romicom, just to rom uh, just to keep you interested. <laughs> no, but I feel like no, because a rom com it is what it is, isn't it? Yeah, that's true. There's not much discussion you can really have no. about rom com. Whereas well, with um, psychological thrillers, the, the, it's so open for, for interpretation. Yeah, but, you know. Okay, well, if we, if we if one we person can see it in one way, from other people, I would say that maybe 
we do um we do his house next mm-hmm. i would really really like you to watch if you loved um i'm thinking about ending it i think we should watch being john malkovich is it on netflix it's on netflix oh is it yeah, yeah. i think you may really all of um i think they released all of charlie kaufman's uh stuff on there when he when they released um and think about ending it so that if people like were like i really enjoyed that film i wonder what else he's done and they can go back and watch his his library yeah if you watched um Falcon on yeah that's another one that's another one that i saw at the um the film festival peanut butter Falcon. i love that film yeah it's brilliant it's a good feel good Oh, a feel good film, <laughs> not a good feel film. Feel good film, feel good film. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Right, let's listen to some messages. I wholeheartedly recommend The Majestic, which is the same director as The Shawshank Redemption and The Green Mile, and it's starring Jim Carrey in a serious straight role. Yeah, I know. Who'd have yeah. thought he was a serious actor? And he is so good in that film, The Majestic. I have seen The Majestic. It's brilliant. Would I like it? I haven't seen it for a few years. But, um, yeah, Jim Carrey's amazing. I don't quite know what's going on with him at the moment, though. What's he doing? Like, where is he? I don't know. Has there been some controversy with him or something? I think maybe he he's not just lying a bit. No, surely not. That's right, then. Or the Weinsteins. The Weinsteins. I hope not. Because that would oh, ruin yeah. my childhood. Because my one of my favourite films to watch when I was growing up was The Truman Show. Oh, I love The Truman Show. We were actually having this conversation at work the other day about Jim Carrey. Because someone said that they didn't oh, yeah. like him, and we were like, "How can you not like him? Like, he's done some of the best films, like The Truman Show. Like, he's Bruce Almighty. Love that. The Mask. Film. Yeah, The Mask. Dumb and Dumber. Um. Eternal liar, Sunshine liar. of the Spotless Mind. Uh, yeah, and of course, one of my favourite films. It's a brilliant film. Brilliant, brilliant film. That was the film that I watched when Kate Winslet became my favourite actress of all time, mm-hmm. was Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. And then um, she's been uh, moved to second place um, due to <laughs> Elizabeth Moss emerging. But, um, okay, we've got a message. Ah, okay. Um, I still work through lockdown. I work with rescue cats and dogs, so oh, I still wow. I still work. So uh, I wish I had more time to watch films. But I think the last film I watched was uh, Greyhound with uh, Tom Hanks. That was really really good. Oh, yeah. um, if you don't know the premise, he's a naval captain during the war, and he has to get across the uh, yeah, Atlantic from America to. Britain, and of course, you've got the danger of U-boats and things. So, yeah, really, really, really good film. It could have been could have been longer, I think. Um, but yeah, there's not many films Tom Hanks is rubbish in. But yeah, worth worth a watch. Wow, thank you. I haven't watched it. That film really sneaked in under the radar for a Tom Hanks film. I can't remember. Was it released in lockdown? Maybe. I don't. It's what, my, he's what most was it called? Film. The Greyhound, it's a war film. I just remember it sort of emerging and like people talking about it, but I don't remember it like being announced with like, you know, flares and whistles. It sort of came in really under the radar, but I haven't seen it. So, and I do like a good war film. 
So I will um I will seek that out and give did it a you watch. watch and did also, you watch the one with Harry Styles in it? Oh, Dunkirk. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, even if that was a bad film and like Harry Styles was bad, I would say it was a great film and I loved it because I've got a bit of a hard on for Christopher Nolan in general. Like, I don't <laughs> feel because I just think he's an amazing I think he's such a risk taker as a filmmaker. Yeah. And I love that so much. But going back to uh, Mark's comment, um, working with cats and dogs. Oh, my God. That's like a hobby for me. I would love to do that. I would actually be in the fetal position covered in kittens. Oh, it sounds like heaven. I would love it. I'd just be there mewing. Mew, mew. I'd love it. (laughs) I I love that you love cats. I fucking love cats. And I love dogs. People always say, are you a dog and a cat? For a cat person, I'm both. Yeah, I think cats I, kind of just pip dogs ever so slightly, but I think that's because I've never owned a dog. I've owned cats. Yeah, so. we have a cat here um, <laughs> where I live called called Boo. Oh, he's quite old. I think he's a little bit deaf, but he oh. he, mimic, he does that thing where he mimics, um, he mimics like the human voice i don't know what is it mimicking i don't you know where they like do the meow meow like sound and it sounds oh. like they're talking meow. <clears throat> he does it all the time in fact meow. i think he put the the cut at the end of the of the uh of the meow so it sounded like he was going milk that might have been a drink but that would have been brilliant wouldn't it if you yeah. actually like milk. I, I used to have a cat um, and we found <laughs> out that he was go. So I used to work nights and what he would do is because he didn't like to be on his own. He'd go to the house behind us. They had cats and they had a cat flap. So he'd go out of my cat flap over the fence in, into the house at the back of us and he'd get on the sofa, but he wouldn't like let anybody touch him. And, like, if someone was oh, okay. sat, in, sat in his little sleeping place, he'd, like, kind of sit there until he kind of moved. And yeah. um, he'd curl up in a ball, go to sleep all go night. And he kind of, it's like he had a sixth sense of what time I finished work because the lady who lives in that house said that about half six every morning he'd get up, have a stretch, and go out the cat flap and come back to my house where he'd be sat on the windowsill every morning waiting for me to get home from work. Yeah, I do think that animals do have like like biological, well, not biological clocks, like clock, you know, like an internal clock. Like we yeah. have, like we get tired at a certain time, we wake up at a certain time. Do you know what I mean? So like our body clocks, that's what I was looking for, not biological. Yeah. But I do, <laughs> I do think that animals have those as well, like a body clock. Yeah, but it was just the cutest little thing ever. Love it. That's another conversation yeah. we can have. Cats and dogs. Cats and dogs. Thank you so much for joining us here at the Films I Love Most podcast live. Don't forget, you can get involved on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter. And if you want to send us an email with any suggestions or recommendations, you can send those to filmilovemostpodcast at yahoo.com. Thank you very much. And I hope that you join us next time here at the Films I Love Most podcast. (laughs) 